This is Real Estate Rookie, episode 167. The markets I was interested in when I tied, people that are investors, brokers, real estate agents, general contractors, all of those I started pulling and reaching out. The way I approached it was more around the networking piece and then helping each other. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, information, education to get started or keep going in your journey as a new real estate investor. So Ashley Kerr, what's going on? What's new in your world? Well, I think we should talk about how me and you got to hang out because that's always an exciting and fun time when we get to see each other in person and not on Zoom. (laughs) And this one was actually for a really good cause. So last year at BPCon, all the hosts for the podcast, they decided to offer up different things for a charity. And I think it was called a a hero's home. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah. So it was a charity that, that benefited our, uh, veterans. And uh, what Ash and I decided that we'd offer up is whoever uh, won us got to spend an <laughs> entire day with us. We we're going to fly out to whatever part of the country they were in. And this past Tuesday, Ash and I got to hang out with Susan Rehill and spend a day in Tacoma, kind of walking around some of her properties and then uh, just really getting to know her and, and kind of hopefully giving her some value on, on her journey as a new investor. Yeah. So Tony and I have both actually met Susan before she was in two of of the rookie boot camps. And then we also met her at the bigger pockets conference and also at an event in Seattle. I met her another time too. So it was awesome to get to hang out with her again and to see the first investment property that she purchased. And we got to walk through it while I was in the middle of rehab. We actually brought with us our friend Serena from Fixated Real Estate. And she took Susan through the property and said, just because she was familiar with the Tacoma area and gave her some tips and pointers on things she could do to really increase the value, but also to save money. So that was awesome. Thank you so much to Serena for doing that with us. And we got to have breakfast. We got to go out to eat. Who doesn't love eating? <laughs> and yeah, then we also got to... Bloody Marys. Yeah. We also got to tour some of the properties that Fixated Real Estate is doing too to also show Susan other projects that are going on in the area. So uh, hopefully she took a lot of value from it. And I think Tony and I actually learned a bunch of things too. Oh, <laughs> getting totally, uh, totally. to hang out. Yeah. So it was definitely a great day and lots of fun. Yeah. We've got a great episode lineup for today as well, right, Ashley? This was a fantastic episode. I think really, really crucial listen for anyone that's a new investor that's looking to invest out of state. Our guest today was Hashim Ishmael. He's based in SoCal, not too far from where I'm at, but he's actually investing in Memphis. So you get to hear his story about how he built his team, how he leveraged bigger pockets, how he renovated and rehabbed from afar. And he's been able to complete seven deals. So he's got seven units done in only 11 months. Amazing. Crazy story. And he tells you exactly what kind of financing he used to be able to do this, how he could grow and scale so quickly within that short amount of time, but also building a team out of state and leveraging the bigger pockets forums to do so. 
I had Hashim in one of my boot camps, and he talks a little bit about Tyler Madden, who was a TA in one of the boot camps, and just finding a mentor that can provide value to him. And then he talks about a couple other mentors and goes on to thank a couple people at the end of the episode, which I think was really awesome. I don't think we've ever had anyone actually do that before. So that was really nice. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com bp. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com bp. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hashim, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, brother. We're super excited to have you. And man, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your story, your background, kind of who you are and how you got started in real estate investing. Yeah, thank you, Tony. Thanks, Ashley. I'm excited and humbled by the opportunity to be here. I listen to a lot of you guys' show and I'm excited Man, I'll say I'm a dreamer, I'm a lifelong learner, I'm an optimist, and I'm a catalyst. But I have a daytime job, and uh, I work in the life science industry, and my background is engineering and science, and I've done different things in the industry, and currently I do business development and sales. That's my W-2. And then about 11 months or so ago, I happened on my, uh, and discovered a passion for real estate investing, and I also do that as well. You said how many months ago? About 11 months, going on a year now, last April 2021, yeah. Okay. And just really quick, if you can set the table, Hashim, so in those 11 months, how many transactions, deals have you done? What does your portfolio look like today, 11 months later? So currently I have seven and there's another one that I'm working on in a different market right now. So 
seven to eight. Awesome. Well, congratulations. I mean, that's great momentum. So let's start with that first purchase. I mean, did you get stuck in any analysis paralysis? Did you just jump and dive right in? Very good question. I was in somewhat of analysis paralysis for, I want to say maybe two years prior to that. I was listening to the OG podcast prior and then the rookie podcast and, you know, reading books, but it was hard to actually take that first step. And there's all this information and it's a matter of, okay, how do I actually do it? And then finally I put a goal for myself end of 2020 and then 2021, I decided to pull the trigger. And one of the things that I actually leverage was the networking piece and using the bigger pockets forum. I was like, let me start. And then I went to the forums and started looking for people I can talk to and started connecting and talking to people in different markets. And that's how it all started. I definitely want to touch on that, on how you use the bigger pockets forums and leverage that. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about you set a goal for yourself. Can you tell us what that goal was specifically and then how you held yourself accountable? Did you have action items that you created to reach your goal? Every year I try around December and sometimes it goes to January to set goals for myself for the coming year. So I put a 2020 and December of 2020, I remember I put different goals for myself and one of them was around real estate investing. And by then, obviously I hadn't done anything, but that's a good point, actually, because I normally use goals and I write it down to push me to do things outside of my comfort zone and things that I haven't done before. At the time when I wrote it down, I didn't have everything mapped out as to how I'm going to do it, but I wrote it down and I was going to push myself and use it as an, a form of accountability to get it done. Obviously I had some ideas because I've been listening to the podcast, reading the books and I had ideas and I used the goal to drive me to start executing and hold myself accountable. Then for the forums, how did you take advantage of them? I'm very curious as to what really worked for you because you know you can go into the forums, you can ask questions, get great responses. You can go through and read through other people's questions, but you said you used it to network. Yeah. So what I did, and I, I know there's another tool on the platform that you can actually like network and you can apply different filters, which is really cool. So I've used that, but at the forums, what I do is I actually put in keywords for what I'm looking for. So for example, when I was just starting, I had a couple of markets in mind and I would type those keywords and then a whole lot of information around that market would come up, which is good. Some of it helps me understand the market at a very high level, a different perspective. And some of it is me meeting those people that, hey, an investor from so-and-so market or a contractor from so-and-so market or a broker or real estate agent from so-and-so market. So I start figuring out who I want to reach out to, write their information down, start connecting with them, sending them messages. And I get on the phone and talk to people who's available, who's willing to talk. So Hashima, a couple of follow-up questions there. First, I love your use of the Bigger Pockets forums. And honestly, that echoes a lot of kind of what my situation was like when I first got started as well. It's like the markets that I was interested in, I was just kind of searching through the forums to see who I could connect with in those markets. But I want to talk a little bit about where you are. So what city are you in? And then what city or state are your investments in? Yeah, so I live in Southern California, similar to you, Tony, specifically San Diego. And I actually invest out of state. I invest in Memphis, Tennessee. Gotcha. Okay. So, so many people who are listening, they're going to be in a similar situation where you know, maybe they live in an inexpensive market like San Diego, and they want to kind of make their dollars stretch so that they're going to go out of state. So when you went into the forums, who did you kind of start looking for first? Was there, hey, I want to find 
an agent first or, hey, I want to find a lender first. So who are you looking for first? And then as you were reaching out to those folks, what was your pitch? How were you kind of breaking the ice and opening up that dialogue with those folks? So when I was just starting, Tony, I knew in my mind I needed to find a team. And that means somebody reliable as far as general contractor, ideally, and a realtor or broker, and then some way, either realtor or broker, or some way to get deals and then some way to understand the market. So when I was just starting, I didn't have it all mapped out as to who is priority. But what I was going after was a certain persona and profile of people that I wanted to connect with. And part of that was also actually investors in the local market to see what they can share with me, if you know anything I can learn from them going into the market, if it's even a good idea from their experience, what their take on the market is, anything. So the markets I was interested in when I type, people that are investors, brokers, real estate agents, general contractors, all of those I started pulling and reaching out. And that's a good point, Tony, you bring up around that initial reach out. These people don't know me, I, I don't know them. And the way I approached it was more around the networking piece and then helping each other. And that's how I phrase it. And, and it's true in business for me, even in my the W2 side of things. I network with a lot of people, I reach out to a lot of people. And part of it is, can we find ways that we could possibly help each other out? Obviously at the time I needed more help from them, but there could be other ways possibly that I could give in return. I didn't know what that would be. It depends on the person, what they're looking for. But if there is a way I can help them in return or I can add value to them, that's always something you know, I have in mind as I'm talking. So do you put that in like your first message that you're willing to provide value to them? There's that book, Blue Fishing by Steve Sims, where he kind of preaches that you provide value by giving somebody what they need before they even know they need it or something that they want before they even know that they want it. So are you going in and messaging someone and saying, hey, I could do this for you? Or are you just saying in general, let me know what you need and I can help you? So what I do is initially when I was just starting and reaching out, just because I was not experienced in real estate market, in real estate investing at all, I would give a little, and I would keep it brief because I don't want to bore people. But when I reach, I keep it brief what I'm looking for. And then I give them a little bit about my background. Hey, this is the industry I'm in. I've been in this industry. And I've, by the time I've been in industry for a while and I've done different things, I'm decently connected in my industry. So I offered that if you need anything within that, I'm happy to help whether you or somebody else that you know. And that's almost like a hook. If they have a need, I'm genuinely, you know, happy to help. And if not, at least they can possibly see that, you know, I want this to be mutually beneficial. And if not, at least we got to network and connect. And that's kind of how I lead it. Yeah. I just want to share one story because this is like real life for me. So a lot of you guys know, I got my first deal back in October of 2019, right? Like that was my very first real estate deal. And around that time, I knew that I wanted to get into apartment syndication. Like that was my goal when I first started is I wanted to just kind of learn the ropes of real estate with a couple single family transactions. But my goal was to graduate into apartment syndication. And apartment syndication is like a much bigger ordeal than regular single family investing from the money raising to the syndication creation to the property management. Like there's a lot that goes into it. So I knew that I wanted someone that could kind of teach me the ropes. And there was a guy on Bigger Pockets. I literally logged my Bigger Pockets profile and I'm looking at the message that I sent him two years ago. And he had posted on Bigger Pockets that he was writing a book 
and he was looking for feedback on the first chapter of his book or something like that. So I saw that, jumped on the survey, read the book, gave him some feedback, and then I shot him a separate message. And I said, hey, my name's Tony Robinson. I just finished your survey on your book and et cetera, et cetera. But I said, hey, I think I might be able to provide some value to you as you work to launch the book. I worked in digital marketing for several years while I was in college. and I have a pretty good handle on Facebook ads and so on and so on. So I pitched this guy on saying, hey, I'll help you market your book for free if you, in exchange, give me some guidance on the syndication piece. And his response back to me was, Tony, yes, Facebook marketing will be of value to me. And then he connected me with his assistant. I did some work for him. We never did a deal together or anything, but it just proves that if you can find a way, I hadn't even done a deal yet, right? This was before I'd even done my first deal, but I still found a way to provide value to this other super experienced investor. So for all of you that are listening, I guarantee that you have some skill, ability, capacity, even if it's just time, even if you're just offering time to do the task that this other investor doesn't want to do, you are going to be able to provide value to that person. If someone came to me and said, Tony, I'll come to your house and sort the big stack of mail that's piled up in the corner <laughs> of your office in exchange for the short-term rental like advice, I'd probably do that. So Hashim, I love that you did that, but I just wanted to share my story because hopefully it resonates with folks as well. Thank you, Tony. That's an awesome story. I think that never goes away. Even when you're just learning something, doing that is super valuable. But all your life, you can do that in all aspects of creating value for someone or in return, hopefully getting something that provides value to you that you need to learn more of or you want to be a part of. So I want to learn house flipping. So I reached out to my friend, James Daynard and said, I want to flip a house with you. And so what I'm doing is I'm creating content for him that he can put on his social media, he can put onto his YouTube, all of the things that I'm learning. And that is of value to him because that is a pain point for him is creating content. So I'm doing that for him in exchange. He's giving me 50% ownership and we're splitting the money on a property. And I'm learning every little single thing that you can do during a house flip. So I think that value never goes away of trying to help somebody and figure out what they need too. Like Tony said, that was great. He didn't ask for or even know that he probably needed the Facebook ads yet. And then you provided value. So I just want to ask one question, Ashley, like, is there anyone that you're looking at right now that you're thinking about like, man, how can I provide value to this person? Like someone that you're kind of looking up to? I guess, it, well, the most recent is James because we're doing our house flip okay. right now. So I just got back last night from flying out to him to create content. So, you know, I'm spending money to fly out there, stay in hotels and film content with him. And then I invested into the deal too. But yeah, he's my most recent one, I guess. Like for me, it's Grant Cardone. You know, I've always been a fan of Grant, but I've been watching a lot more of his interviews and stuff and just kind of his perspective on where he's trying to take Cardone Capital and a lot of what he's doing, I want to replicate in the short-term rental space. So if anyone knows what Grant Cardone's looking for, help me out so I can, uh, I, I can start working with him too. <laughs> so Hashim, thank you for letting us go on that tangent, man. But I thought it might be of value to the listeners so to kind of hear that story. So anyway, you kind of hit the ground running, networking on bigger pockets. You're able to start building some relationships. So who was kind of that key person that allowed you to find that first deal? Did you find an agent and they gave you a deal? Was it a wholesaler? Like, how did those relationships that you built lead to you getting that first out-of-state deal in Memphis, Tennessee? So I quickly realized as I was going through that exercise that 
haven't especially been out of state. So these places I was looking at, I have never been, and I don't really know the market that well. And I was learning as I was going. It was very apparent to me immediately, people on the ground, people that know the market, a team, you're going to need that like instrumental to succeed or else there's no way on this. And I came across a gentleman by the name of Steven Akindona, and he has a business in the area. And essentially he's a one-stop shop and he's a broker on one end. If you want to buy or sell homes, but also on the other end, he has a general contracting and project management business. And I connected with him and I remember we had a call and our call was supposed to be 30 minutes. We ended up going over an hour and I told him all about my goals were, what I'm looking to do in the market, where I am in my journey, which is very beginning, but where I would like to go. And I shared with him what I've done in the past. And so in the past, I've been able to navigate different parts of the business and teach myself and learn and grow. And I've done different things within my industry. So I correlated that and said, although this is where I am, I can do it. And, you know, I share with him what my goals were. And then in return, he shared with me what he's done in the past, where he is also and value how he can help me get to my goal. And we clicked and yeah, I started working with him. And for me, my mind is also process centric. And Ashley, I know you're big on that. Even during the rookie bootcamp that we took, you were one of the whole, one of the sessions was just dedicated to processes. That's how my mind worked. And for me, it was more do one proof of concept. And then see if it works, see how you can scale. And within that, also like try to narrow and mitigate your risks as much as you can. We can't control everything. And at the end of the day, it's just anything in life is probabilities, right? But try to narrow, mitigate your risk and lower your risk as much as you can and then go for it. And that was my first deal. Hashim, what are some examples of ways that you mitigated your risk? And that may go into a little bit into my approach of how I pick deals or how I select yeah, deals. Yeah, let's do, go do you into guys that. want sure. us to? Yeah. Okay. So what I do is I have maybe a three or four steps. Um, and this is, again, me trying to create processes around things that I do. I have about three or four steps that I take when I'm looking at potential deals. So we can go through that. So the first thing I do is, and this is like a prequal for anything, any property I'm looking at is really looking at the zip code and neighborhood. Do I want to own a property in the zip code or this neighborhood? That's the first thing I look at. And then I use Google, Google Maps to look at street views and just see what's around it, right? Are there parks? Are there schools? Is there a Starbucks? Is there a Walmart? How does the street, how does the house look streetwise? And then if that gives me also an idea of the kind of tenants I'm going to be expecting, you know, younger tenants, more family centric and so on and so forth. If it checks what I want, then I go into a four-step thing. And the first thing I do is data gathering. In that step, I want to understand what is the market value or the ARV for that property? What are comps around it? What's sold recently? What's not sold? What price range are they selling at? What are rents like? And that's really important because different markets can withhold and absorb different rents. And then ultimately what the rehab is for that property. So I focus mostly on Burr and that is a key data and key input to the whole burst process, as you guys know. And what I do for that is I go online I use Zillow, Realtor, Redfin. These are all sites that I use to start getting. And this is all just rough data that you start gathering. And then I go to the rehab piece and that is not a strength of mine, I will say. And I'm still, I have so much more to learn on that front. But I've done a few where now I can take a guess, you know, take a guesstimate. Okay, I need to do a bathroom. I need to do kitchen, the roof. Okay, this is kind of what I'm looking at, ballpark. And then by then I know what their asking price is for the property. And then I just look at that and I can, you know, you can quickly tell, okay, is it feeling like, yeah, it's going to work or no. And then from there, I actually go into my 
plug. Now I have all that data, plug it into the calculator and I use the bigger pockets calculator. And then I also use an offline calculator. And then I see what the numbers look like. And if they all check the boxes, I get with my team, my mentor, I have them look over it, make sure I didn't miss anything. And if it's all good, them and their team, they go and I physically walk the property and they see fully assess it. And that means taking pictures, understanding what exactly we need to do by different categories now, later, later, later down the road. And then what that estimated cost would be to bring it up to what we like to rehab it to. And there's reasons behind it, getting better rents, getting better tenants, better cash flow, so on and so forth. And so I'll pause here with all these steps. If you guys see, there's already redundancy in the steps. So I take a stab at it. I have my estimation. My team take a stab at it. They have their estimation and they go and physically walk it. And all of that is validating all these inputs and data that we have. And on top of all of that, one last thing that I do is what I call a desk appraisal. And when you're doing a bird, the ARV and the rehab is so crucial to really making or breaking that deal for you. And I use professionals to give me estimates on both of these. I do take a step at it myself, but ultimately I use professionals. So the desk appraisal is literally using a licensed appraiser and providing them with your scope of work as to what you're going to do to the property. And they tell you what their opinion of the value of that property would be if you did what you said you were going to do on it. And if everything checks, then it's a deal and we move forward with it. You know, Hashim, I can tell that you've got like an engineering background because you're so like methodical yeah. and systematic with your approach to investing. So I love that part, man. So first, thank you for sharing that framework, right? I think any new investor can copy those same steps and use that as a way to gain some confidence in their ability to look at deals and give them like the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Now, one piece I want to dig a little bit deeper on is the rehab estimation. I think most rookie investors that are listening to this podcast, they probably feel good with the first step of like checking out the neighborhood and how does it look and what do the schools look like? Are there jobs and things like that? They probably feel good about the sales comps as well, right? Like most people feel confident going into Zillow and saying, hey, this is a really nice house. What did it sell for, right? Like most people can do that. I think where a lot of new investors get stuck is estimating the rehab costs. You've done this now seven times in the last year or so. So I'm sure you've kind of figured it out. But if you go back to Hashim on that very first deal, so deal number one, how did you go about estimating those rehab costs and were your estimates in line with what you actually ended up spending? Tony, that very first rehab or first bird that I did, I had no idea where to even start with, <laughs> with my estimates on the rehab because that was my very first time doing it. And I'm looking at the pictures of the house. I'm looking at my assessment. And, and by then I, I didn't have all this process in place. I was doing these steps, but not exactly. It wasn't fully mapped out like I have it now. What I did though is I started Googling and going online and saying, hey, what bathroom remodel? What is that roughly? And obviously the data is not necessarily easily found, but I started just rough estimates together. But also at that time, I needed to lean on my team a lot more. They are the experts. I am not. And that is when I call my team, the gentleman I mentioned and his team, and I needed a lot of help, them helping, guiding me as to what that may look like. Uh, so I took a lot of inputs from them. And, and that was like also a way of me to start to learn because after that offline, I went back to them and I was like, Hey, help me understand. So each of these, how would you break it down? A three bedroom, two bath home, 13, 14, 1500 square foot. If these are the things we need to do on them in the future, help me understand roughly how did we break it down? And then that started giving me some data points and some ideas. And I started noting that down and 
everyone, every deal I went through, I would try to apply that. And I mean, to this day, I'm not a hundred percent spot on. I'm still learning that aspect, but it helps. The more you do it, the more it helps and the more you become better at it like anything else. Yeah, we're actually having, or if you guys haven't listened yet, if you go back to James Daynard's episodes, we did two of them, a Wednesday one and a Saturday one as a rookie reply. And he talks all about estimating rehab costs and construction costs. It is like a deep dive coming from expert. Tony, I know you know everything. Do you have those episode numbers? 165 and 167. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, and exa- I loved how you talked about doing the breakdown and you said you just wanted to understand what the costs would be for everything in case you went and got another property the same. And that's so valuable. So my asset manager, Daryl, he is working with a contractor where they gave us a quote for one apartment. And then a little bit later, we got a quote for a different apartment that was smaller, but the painting charge was higher. And so we went back to them. Well, he went back to them and said, hey, look at this huge difference. And we actually talked to the owner where the guy that was doing the estimating was just throwing out numbers and there was really no math to it. So like going forward, it's okay, how much per square foot is it going to cost us in paint? So I think that's really valuable to understand exactly what you're getting charged for. Then you can kind of build out an estimate based on those prices each time you go and look at a property that needs to be rehabbed. Absolutely. I just want to talk really quickly about my first experience rehabbing as well. So very similar to you, Hashim, I went out of state for my first rehab and had no real sense of what it would cost to do that kind of work. But I found a contractor. And the first thing that I asked him, I was like, hey, here are the kind of houses that I'm looking at. Like I was just sending him the Zillow listing. And I say, here's kind of what I want it to look like. Right? I'd send him a comp and I'd say, just like ballpark, what do you think this might cost? Right? Without you even walking it, but just like, give me like a ballpark number. Or he would send me a property that he had recently renovated. And I'd say, hey, what did that cost? What did you charge that person? And if you talk to enough contractors and they kind of give you those ballpark numbers, at least now you've got a good rule of thumb to use. Now, when we started rehabbing in Joshua Tree, I had friends who were already flipping out here. And I said, hey, what's your price per square foot that you guys would typically seeing on your rehabs. And they were able to share some numbers with me as well. So asking the contractor for their most recent costs to other customers for comparable jobs, and then talking to other investors about what they're spending is another way to kind of give you a good ballpark. That's a really good point, Tony. And that's one thing I'm starting to shift my mind more to. And the more I do, the more I'm learning is it boils down to a square foot. Even when I'm looking at deals now, you know, what's the price per square foot? When I was just starting, I remember a year ago, 11 months ago, when I was just starting, it was Oh, how many bedroom, how many bath? It still is today, how many bedroom, how many bath, but also what's the square footage? What's the cost per square footage to rehab or to buy? That's a good point. Sorry, just really quick before we move on to the financing piece, Ash, I know you want to get that, but I just want to go back to the desk appraisal that you mentioned, because I think that might be a new concept for a lot of folks. I don't want to pass up on that. So first, Hashim, what is the benefit of a desk appraisal versus a traditional appraisal? And then what's the typical cost and kind of turnaround time on the desk appraisal? Yeah, so for me and my process, the desk appraisal is really important because I wanna be as certain as I can, nothing's 100%, but I wanna be as certain as I can in that ARV value because that's really gonna make or break the deal for me, especially with the kind of rehabs that we do. I mean, they're extensive and we're putting quite a bit of money into doing the rehabs. 
So to me, that is important. The benefit of that is it gives me more confidence and I know for certain that the deal would work out numbers wise. And then as far as the difference between that and actual appraisal, the desk appraisal, as the name suggests, they don't actually need to physically go into the property. They can do it from their desk. And what they use is the scope of work. So I provide them with the scope of work. This is what we're going to do on the property. And then obviously they have information on the property based on their tools and online, you know, where the property is located, square footage, you know, so on and so forth. And then they factor in what we're going to do to the property. And what that gives them is what the end product would be. And so they can give an opinion on what that end product is valued at the current market. Yeah. So that's what I do. And as far as pricing, it's, you know, when you think about it, the only cost, it depends on the appraiser, but roughly between 150 to $180 is what it costs. When I think about that in my business and process, $180 is so worth me knowing what I'm getting into and also so worth me knowing what I'm expecting out of this deal and mitigating, talking about risk, like mitigating the risk a lot. So it's totally worth it for me, that $180. Well, that's a great tip for anybody that is looking for that ARV as to get a pretty close estimate as to what it's going to be. And I agree that that $150 is well worth the opportunity cost of getting that information instead of not having any idea and just winging it as to what the, the ARV could be. So thank you for that. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. 
When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch stage to the first order stage to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. Uh, before we move on to really digging into one of your deals, I just want to know, how are you financing all these properties as a rookie investor, you can get one, two properties and then it's it kind of gets to that point like, okay, well, how do I get the next deal? How do I pay for it? I just spent all my money. So how have you been able to grow and scale so quickly on the financing side? So what I did for my financing, part of my analysis paralysis for years actually was around the amount of money you know that it takes to actually get real estate going. I learned that I can leverage my assets in my stocks and brokerage account and get a line of credit on that. And then I can pull as much as I want up to the limit, of course, and I can use that money to invest. And that is how I got started. So I called my brokerage E-Trade and I was able to leverage my stocks and assets in there and get a line of credit against that at a very decent interest rate, by the way. So that's how I financed that very first deal. And that's how actually I finance all my deals so far. And then in tandem with that, obviously, when you do the burr, you're able to refi. The money is not stuck or sitting. So all my deals are at different stages right now. But what I'm expecting is for most of these deals, I'm able to pull back all my money. And some of them I'm actually able to pull out even more of what I put in it. So I'm able to go back and pay down that line of credit. Let's talk about that line of credit because I think that is one of the greatest tools that someone can use if they have it available. So if you have a non-retirement brokerage account with investments in it, you can have a bank put a line of credit. So those investments are acting as collateral for the loan. And since that is so liquid, pulling out your investments, that's more liquid to a bank than using your house as collateral, that you're willing to get way better terms, such as a really low interest rate on it. And then it does vary, doesn't it? So if your brokerage account goes, dips or increases, doesn't the line of credit, the availability and the interest rate kind of change with that too? Hashim, is that correct? It does. And every, I think every brokerage does it a little different, but yes. Yeah, so depending on what you have. So when I did at the time, roughly it was a rough math. They took about 50%. It could give you a line of credit up to 50%. And I know that changed since I did it. And some brokerages do it differently. So every stock or asset actually carry a different weight. So some stocks are able to give you up to 60, 70% of it. Some stocks only 50%, some stocks less than that. So it's weighted depending on the stock, how much they're able to give you against and then you're right, Ashley, when they give you a line of credit, depending on how, as you would imagine, that asset or the stock is going to fluctuate with the market, it's going to go up, it's going to go down. 
as that fluctuates, how much line of credit you have is going to shift as well. So you want to be mindful of that also as you're using the line of credit. You don't want to exhaust it all the way and not have a way to pay back in case the markets go down and you need to pay some of it. One thing I want to add actually on the financing part, maybe before we shift gears is where I am right now in my journey and the way I'm looking at this, so that's how I started and I'm still leveraging line of credit mainly. Ashley, you remember when, when I took the Rookie Bootcamp? One of the sessions was entirely dedicated to financing. And at that time, I literally had offers in three properties. If all those offers would have gone through, I had no idea like how I would have gone them. I remember we <laughs> yeah. talked about it and, yeah. and Tyler, so Tyler is my, was my TA. And I remember we discussed that at Lend during one of the sessions. But now where I am is my mind is so much more open to other avenues of financing, you know, the hard money, the private money, different ways of being creative with your financing. And as I'm growing and expanding, my line of credit or the refinancing piece is not going to be enough. I need to do other things if I want to keep growing at this rate. So it's not a limiting factor. And that's where having your mind open to other ways of financing, like the hard money, the private money, local banks, is crucial. And I'll, you know, I'll encourage everybody to explore that option as well. Hashim, you just hit on like a really important concept of maturing as a real estate investor. And I want to take a second to really drive that point home. When you first get started as an investor, there are so many things that seem scary to you, right? For most people, the idea of just submitting the offer is exceptionally scary. But once you start submitting offers, you put offers out in your sleep. Right. But that first one, there was so much fear and anxiety and like nervousness around it. Right. But once you do more, you kind of get the hang of it. Your first rehab, you're probably tense and like checking in on the GC like every other day and like, hey, what's going on? You know, how's this? How's that? And now you got rehabs and maybe you're checking in once a week, maybe once every other week and things are humming and going right from the financing piece. I love what you said there about had all three of those deals hit at once, you probably would have panicked. Right. But the good thing is, is that every time you experience something new as a real estate investor, you're able to add one more tool to your tool belt, right? You're able to add one more skill to your skill set. And if you do that over and over and over again, you start expanding the world of opportunity that's available to you as a real estate investor. Because if you can take down one deal with hard money, another deal with private money, another deal with your line of credit, another deal with a JV, now you've got the ability to scale faster than other people do. So my point in all this is saying, for all of you that are listening, accept the fact that it's going to be scary at the beginning, but understand that the only way that you mature and the only way you get better is if you push through that fear and you find some creative solutions to keep going. So Hashim, you dropped the knowledge bomb there. I don't know if you realized it, but I had to go back and really, really <laughs> drive that, that point home for you. Thank you. So Ash, anything else for you? Should we hit the deal review here? Do you have a deal for us, Hashim, that we can go through? Yeah, let's do my very first and scariest one. <laughs> Let's hear it. Okay, so we're just going to yeah, ask so... you a couple of brief questions real quick just to kind of set the stage for the deal review, and then we can kind of get into the story of it. Where was the property located? In Memphis, Tennessee. What strategy are you using for the property? It was a burr. How much did you purchase it for? The purchase price was $100,000. And how much did you put into the rehab? The rehab was $45,000. Okay. Do you want to start off with telling us how you got the deal and then kind of how the rehab went and then afterwards renting it and refinancing it? Yes. I got the deal from a wholesaler. And that was also like new for me that working with wholesalers, exploring wholesalers. And actually that deal took 
from the first time I saw it to the first time I purchased it took about two months. And the reason for that is I was really hesitating and running the numbers over and over and over before I pulled the trigger and then the deal went off. So somebody got on the contract and then I was very bummed and somehow it fell through contract and he came back and I pulled the trigger immediately on it. Anyways, I purchased it from a wholesaler, a hundred thousand dollars. And then I went through all the steps that I talked about as to how I select or make sure the deal meets my, it fits my criteria, what I'm looking for. It wasn't as clearly defined back then, but these were the framework that I went by. And then we went on the contract and then after that we closed and then we started with the rehab. Total rehab was $5,000 and it took about two and a half to three months to do the rehab. Um, It was extensive rehab. And then after that with closing costs and then with refi. So actually before we went to refi. So after that, so the deal was done about three months and that by then I'm 145,000 into the deal. And then I went to the bank and while I was looking to rent, I handed it over to a property management company at the time. And then I went to do, I started on the refi because it was my first refi too. So I was learning it and trying to figure things out. I was able to find a lender that, and I'm not sure if all lenders do that, but essentially they were able to have me file and do everything ahead of time. So that once that six month hit the very first day of the six month, the funds are immediately released into my account. So that's pretty much what we did. You guys want to know what the um, ARV of that deal was? Of course, Please. that's the best part. <laughs> the big smile on your face is either really, really good or really, really bad. So I, I, I got to know. Luckily, it was it was good. So when we did the desk appraisal initially, it was for 271000 Wow. And the actual wow. appraisal came in at 281000 Oh, wow. that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So with that deal, I was able to get, I verified at 75% LTV and I was able to get all my money back that I put in it plus another 60,000. So I maximized what I can pull out of it. And then right now, as we speak, the house is rented and cash flows about $130 a month after expense. And I want to touch on that because that's, that is lower than what my goal is for cash flow and cash and cash return. Part of my criteria for the deals that I look for. But the reason it is that is because I was able to get an extra 60,000 out of that house. And I run different analysis. If I would have left that 60,000 and I just what I put back into the house, the cash flow would have been in line with what my criteria is, which is about 300 to 400 per door. I think that's so important. I'm so glad that you kind of broke that out as to why your cash flow is lower. Sometimes we get a lot of people on here or even just you see it on social media, like this house is cash flowing $1,000 per month, but also you don't know how much money they put into the deal. So calculating your cash on cash return. So how much cash did you put into the deal? And then how much cash are you getting out of it? I think is really important to look at and not just what that cash flow number is. Because like you said, you pulled an extra $60,000 out of that property. So for you, it was worth it getting that $60,000 more than that extra couple hundred a month going forward. And plus your tenants are paying down that 60,000, that extra 60,000 for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just had one question before we move on to our next segment here, but are you using a property management company for your tenants or are you self-managing remotely? So right now I'm self-managing and I think whether rookie or seasoned investor out there, I think listening, it is good in your journey to define really what you want 
And whether you go with a property management company or you self-manage it yourself, I think there is value in being involved and at least learning it. And I know, Ashley, you started in property management (laughs) and you've shared that story multiple times, but I really like when you share that story and different times you bring it up. I think it's really important for people, even if you outsource, and I don't think I'm going to be able to self-manage, especially my goals and where I want to go and growth. There is no way I'm going to be able to self-manage and that's not what I want to do. I'm building, I'm trying to build a business. And I want to, you know, leverage processes and systems and outsource as much as I can so I can focus on what I want to do and what I enjoy. But for now, I'm doing it and I like it because I'm learning it and I'm learning inside out. And I think it's much, much better for me to understand it by doing it and create processes around it so that when I'm ready to outsource, I know how to do it best. I know what to expect. I know how to pick the right property management company that fits my goals and my objectives or where I'm trying to go. Hashim, man, I love your story. And even if you're only cash flowing like $10 per month, you still did that with no money into the deal, right? That is still an infinite return. You're still getting equity. Your, your equity is growing over time. So I don't think you need to explain why you got this $130 per month in cash flow because it's a great deal, man. So Hashim, I want to take us to our next segment, which is the rookie request line. So for all of you that are listening, you guys can reach us anytime at 888-5-ROOKIE to leave a voicemail. We might use it on the next show. So Hashim, are you ready for today's question? Let's do it. Hi, my name is Kristen. I am from Maryland, and I had a question about growing a business exponentially with using the Burr Method. Essentially, with the Burr Method, you know, it takes about six months before you can refinance and get your cash out to get on to the next project. And doing that seems like the max amount of deals you could do per year would be two. So what's the best way to kind of exponentially grow your business if you can only get limited to doing about two deals a year. Thanks so much for any answer you can provide. Thanks. Bye. Great question. So the first thing I'll say is, and Tony and Ashley, I'll open it up. I mean, if you guys have anything else to add to it, but the first thing that's coming to my mind is you don't need to wait six months, which they call the seasoning period, to do a refi on your property. It's a different kind of refi though. So if you wait the six months, and you have more equity into the property, you can maximize how much you can pull out of it. But if you do less than six months, you can pull out, lenders may operate differently under this, but typically you should be able to pull out at least what you put into the property if you don't wait the seasoning or the six months period. That's my first thought on that. And then I think scaling is really important. I touched on that as I was sharing my story. One thing that also jumps to me is different sources of funding. As Tony summarized it while while I was sharing my story, it's good to have, you know, maybe think about different ways, if possible, in your end of how you can get uh, funding, whether it's hard money, private money lender, different banks, different types of loans, possibly. I would encourage you to explore that if you can. Another thing that jumps at me is partnership. Perhaps, and I don't, you know, I'm not sure where you are in your journey or maybe what your ultimate goals are, but if partners are a possibility or things that can fit into your goals or your business, maybe something to also explore. People can have different things and strengths that they bring to the table. And sometimes it's, it's money, it's funding. You may not have that, but you may have other things that you can bring to the table and you can find a partner where you guys can complement each other. And it will help create a win-win situation for both of you. 
that's kind of like my three thoughts and take on this. But Tony, Ashley. Yeah, I think that was great. I definitely looking for other banks that will do less than six that don't require a seasoning period. Looking at the commercial side of lending where there usually is no seasoning side at all. And then also just, I said, finding a partner. That's how I got started. And I did pretty much all of my deals in the first two years was with partners. So I think that's definitely a huge advantage to be able to grow and scale that way. Okay. So now we're going to move on to our rookie exam. Here we go. Are you ready, Hashim? Should I have studies for this before? Yes, yes you should have. Graded. Yeah. If you don't pass, we actually don't hear your episode. So there's a lot hinging <laughs> oh, on this. Man. <laughs> okay. Let's try one actionable thing rookies should do after listening to this episode. I want to say just do it. And perhaps before doing it, just really sit down and write down that. What do you want to do? If you're considering real estate investing, really write down what you want to do and have that goal drive you. So as, as Stephen Covey puts it in the seven habits of highly effective people, begin with the end in mind. And if you haven't done that yet, I would highly encourage sitting down, thinking about it, writing it down. And actually, I know you said actionable, but I think that is writing the goal down is action. I think it would drive a lot more actions and things coming out of that. I 100% agree because you may think of something that you want or you want to do, and that isn't as impactful as actually taking the time to write it out than even putting it somewhere where you see it every single day. All right, Hashim, question number two, what is one tool, software, app, or system that you use in your business? Oh man, Ashley gave me so much during the, <laughs> the Ashley and Tyler during the bootcamp. I got so um, okay. I use Rent Ready and for property management, and I also use Rentometer to help me gauge what my rents are going to be. You know, for a given property in a given market. I know you guys talk about Stessa as well. That's where I haven't fully used it yet, but that's also the software I'm looking at as as I'm growing. So these are three different softwares. Can I make a comment on Stessa really quickly? I always thought, you know, like funny name, whatever, but I realized that Stessa is assets spelled backwards. So like I was logging in the other day and the logo did this like spin around thing. And I was like, <laughs> holy crap, that's what Stessa means. So anyway, if anyone else was running where Stessa came from, it's assets spelled backwards. I so. remember on Instagram, this is probably like a couple months ago. It, I feel like everybody that used Stessa like was posting about it. Some one person like realized it and everyone else is sharing. <laughs> it like oh my god i'm yeah. 30 years old it just yeah those are all I great never thought about that, Tony. yeah those are all great softwares <laughs> now, to use yeah. go ahead Hashim. were you gonna say something else no i was just gonna say i've never thought of it but but now i, I my mind wouldn't stop thinking of it that <laughs> way <laughs> okay and then the last question is where do you plan on being in five years the way I'm looking at it is my focus is mostly the reason I do births is because of cash flow ultimately. And I would like to be between twenty to thirty thousand dollar in cash flow in the next three to five years. And you know, I've done some number crunching on the back end and the number of doors needed to get there is a bit scary, but it's a goal I have for myself and I'm working towards that. That's awesome. Congratulations on that goal. And we're excited to follow you. your journey to get that done. Thank you, guys. Well, Hashim, can you tell everybody where they can find out some more information about you and reach out to you? Yeah, so I am not so active on social media, but you can find me on LinkedIn. 
And also uh, using my searching by my name, Hashim Ishmael. Also, you can reach me through my email, Hashim at SirAbuCapital.com. That's where you can reach me by email. So these are like two ways that you can connect with me. And uh, maybe before we wrap up, I do want to give a shout out, a thank you to a few folks. If, yeah, if sure. Okay. Of course. Yeah. I'm going to start with uh, Steven and Tyler. Thank you guys for all the coaching, mentoring and help throughout. You know, I've learned a lot from you guys. Definitely my family for not doubting me. My girlfriend for always being there and keeping me fed. I mean, there's days I, <laughs> I'm like my computer working so much and you know, I forget to eat, but she's there. So thank you for that. And absolutely, you know, definitely the bigger pockets community and you guys, and I've learned a lot over the years through the podcast, the bootcamp books, forums and, and all. And my rookie bootcamp accountability group. Thank you guys. You guys rock. You forgot one. You have to pull a Snoop Dogg and say, I thank myself. There you go. <laughs> me. I want to thank me. <laughs> uh, well, Hashim, before we get out of here, uh, one more person we want to highlight, and that's our Ricky Rockstar for this week. So if you guys want to get highlighted on the show, get active in the Real Estate Ricky Facebook group, get active on the Bigger Pockets forums, get active in my DMs and Ashley's DMs. We'll try and pull some folks from there. But today's Ricky Rockstar is Robert Anthony Sr. And Robert shared some numbers from a recent flip. So they bought it at $185,000 using a hard money loan. The repairs and the interest payments only came out to $40,000. They listed it at $297,000, which is already a good spread, but they actually end up selling for $320,000. So this is a six figure flip. So Mr. Robert Anthony Sr., congratulations on an amazingly well done job. Well, Hashim, thank you so much for joining us. And it was definitely a pleasure to have you in the boot camp and to have you on the podcast episode. So thank you so much for joining us. Yep. Thank you, guys. I'm Ashley at Wealth from Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And if you guys are enjoying this podcast, please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star review and tell us what you love about the podcast. And don't forget to join the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group. We'll see you guys on Saturday. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today.
The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.